whenever you look at a new graduate they spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on their education paying off all those student loans and nobody thinks about those two pages that any employer is going to see when you are you know applying for a job this is Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, you, Vika. Welcome to the show. Hi, Max. How are you? Good. How are, are you today? I am doing very well. And to have the call on a Monday. <laughs> Just fucks yeah, everything call up. Monday, exactly. Yeah. As of this coordinate in the fall, and fall it tends to be a prime hiring season, as you are yes. aware in the resume writing job search space. So I thought it'd be good to have you on at this time to give professionals some resume writing strategies, how to navigate this tough job market to help them get their next job. Before we dive into you sharing your expertise, why don't you let my listeners or watchers know more about your background in regards to your experience as a resume writer. Sure. So I've been in the resume writing business for like almost six years. I have my own company. It's careerlinko.com. And I also do a lot of work with a lot of B2B and B2C clients. So for example, I've done a lot of human resource consulting work in the space of employer hiring and recruitment with ATS companies like Trackstar Hire, Indeed, you know, the global job board, Indeed.com, and like a lot of different firms like that. So, and prior to doing, you know, starting my own business, I was an ex-recruiter and that too across continents. So I've worked, I've hired people in US, Canada, and India. It's been more like a global recruitment experience that I have. So I think I bring that perspective, you know, the recruitment background. And along with that, I think, like you said, Max, you know, Fall is, you know, just gets everything up and running for the recruitment season for the companies as well, right? Because the year is going to end. Everybody is looking at their hiring targets, getting more people on board. So I think it, it, this is a good time to spruce up your resume and LinkedIn profile, even if you're not actively looking for a role. It's a good time to do that. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a great time to revise your resume yeah. and LinkedIn profile. For me, when I talk to professionals, I always recommend that they update their resume at least once a quarter or once every couple yeah. quarters. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is if you are in a company for a few years and then you say you're looking for another job, you're not going to remember some of those accomplishments you achieved a few years ago. That's because true. It, That's so true. Yeah, because you don't remember the full details yeah. and you might not remember the metrics from those few years ago. So I always recommend people update the resume once a quarter or once every couple quarters because it's so fresh in your mind of what you actually did in those projects. So you can be True. more detailed with your bullet points and you can also add in those metrics because it's going to be still fresh in your mind compared to if you wanted to write about those conference a few years yeah. from now when you are looking for your next job. I think that's so true. I think that you've said it really well because most of the work, you know, clients I work with, they tend to see that, you know, they're applying actively for roles and they are actually contacted by recruiters when they are not actively looking for a role. You know, they're this passive, you know, they have their LinkedIn profile years old and uh, nobody's even touched their resumes for like years, months probably. And uh, suddenly they get a call from a recruiter, you know, there's this position open and, you know, would there be, 
interested in that so i think uh, what you said is absolutely right you know just to have the resume in shape for any future opportunity that may arise number one and the other thing that i can certainly attest to is you'll be amazed 99% of my clients don't have any metrics when i ask them you know if you did achieve a result or an, a business impact for the company that you're working for can you tell me what was the time period can you tell me you know the team size you had at that time or you know the budgets that you were handling at that time and they have no clue and they tell me that you know i have to go back and check my email or probably if they've left the company that there's no way to get that information back up right so i think having those metrics on the resume is so so important irrespective of the country and the industry that you're working for and you're looking to target so i think whether you're applying for a role in us or you're applying for a role in canada it's the same right the employers are looking for the same thing they're looking for actionable metrics they're looking for you know those car stories that we tell right car challenge action results so you need to show the entire you know the 360 degree approach there so i think just so good to have everything updated yeah and the one thing you brought up is yeah you might have documents in terms of like your achievements and stuff but what if you get laid off because layoffs are not planned True. They're going to shut off your mm-hmm. laptop and you can't access those uh, metrics, those files again, right? So that's exactly. why I always recommend like try to update it at least once a quarter or once every two quarters because worst case scenario, you get laid off. You've already written down those stuff in a master file, so to speak, before you write on your resume. Yeah. And even if you didn't, it'd be so fresh in your mind at that point that you could still... So that's why I always recommend try to update your resume as regularly as possible. So then you'll know what are some of the top accomplishments you want to showcase when you're starting yeah, your job search. Definitely. So true. And you are specifically an IT resume writer. So what roles do you write for people in the IT space? Yeah. So when I started off, I was more of a generalist. So I was actually doing resumes, you know, across the board, across industries, across levels as well. But I think uh, from the last two to three years, I've started specializing in IT, digital transformation, project management, program management, those kind of roles. So if we think about the uh, levels here, it's more middle and senior level roles, senior executives, board, board of director positions and middle management roles as well. So I think that's one space I've, you know, somehow sort of uh, specialized in and serving me well. And if I look at the specific roles, like you mentioned, so, you know, chief information officer, then there are those C-suite positions for, you know, digital transformation, senior director for engagement delivery, project management, leading, you know, the PMO director. So it's been across the board. Yeah. So I speak to a lot of professionals when they reach out to me, they say that it's a bad job market right now. What are you hearing uh, on your side? Are professionals reaching out to you saying that it's a bad job market or do you think it's more so that the resume is not up to date in a way that makes sense? That's when they're getting the results. Okay. So I'll start off by saying something that I really believe in. Somehow connected, but somehow not connected as well. So whenever you look at a new graduate, you look at anybody who's, you know, just starting off their journey in the career field or even somebody in, you know, who's an early career professional with less than five years of work experience. I tend to notice, you know, they spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on their college degrees, on their education, on their, you know, just paying off all those student loans. And nobody thinks about those two pages that any employer is going to see when you're, you know, applying for a job. So I think resume is, first of all, extremely important. So if you look at the steps, I think it's extremely important to have the resume in shape and also the LinkedIn profile because... 99% of companies are hiring through LinkedIn today. 
So if somebody is not really looking at the resume, it's good to have at least the LinkedIn profile in shape. For sure. And what are some hot roles right now for the rest of this quarter and next year? I think the market is good in terms of recruitment. It's always been good because, of course, some industries are in a downturn and they are seeing, you know, lack of demand and there's all sorts of firing happening. But then there are another set of industries and companies that are still hiring across the board specifically for niche roles. So it's not really a bad market. I would say job seekers need to be a bit more targeted in the way that they're applying. So for example, they can't just end up mass applying for a role. So let's say, for example, if somebody is a project manager, they can't just apply, you know, they can't just filter on LinkedIn or on Indeed or any job board, like, you know, project manager in, let's say, Ohio, you can't just filter. If you see 100 jobs, you can't apply to those 100. You need to do a shortlisting at your end, probably pick and choose, you know, 10 to 12 of the ones that are actually matching your role or are one step up. I think most of the clients that I've worked with, they fail to understand that they need to look at aspirational roles as well, not just the roles that they've been doing, you know. So if 90% of the job description of a particular role is matching what you're doing today, that's not really an aspirational role. You need to be looking at position that has a 60 to 70% match with what you're doing and 30 to 40% a one step up. So I think you get what I'm saying, you know, they need to apply, first of all, selectively. And second of all, they need to apply for aspirational roles, not just the same level that they're working at. To go back to the actual racial role part, the, the rule of thumb is like, you don't want to have like 90 to 100% of what they're looking for, because then it's just... Exactly. Yeah, because it shows like... Then what's the negotiation uh, power, right? Nobody can actually negotiate for a higher salary. You can't negotiate for better benefits you can't really do anything though you know the employer will come back and say oh this is you know you're already doing this so let's work with a eight percent hike or a ten percent hike right so there's no room for negotiation there the thing is like a lot of people they don't want to apply the jobs they don't think they're as qualified so let's say it's 50 to 60 percent that they match sometimes they don't want to feel like applying to it because oh someone that's 70 80 percent will probably get it before me because i'm not as qualified based off the job ad so my question to you is what's the proper percentage between your skill set and matching the job ad that is not like it's, it's still aspirational as you'll learn but it's yeah. not to the, point, the point where they perceive you as being overqualified yeah i think one point you rightly highlighted that the job seeker should not be really doing the shortlisting on their own right that's the job of a recruiter so if somebody's you know if, if a job seeker is reading a particular job description you shouldn't be ruling yourself out even before you've applied for the role so that's one thing. And I think having a 60 to 70 or maximum 75% ratio with respect to what you've already done in the job description, you know, for the role that you're applying for is a good number because even employers understand that they can't get a ready-made talent, right? If they have 10 things that they need done for, for a particular uh, role, they can't have a person who's, you know, fully trained, fully 100% experienced for that particular role, right? So they will also need to do, you know, some x percent of training or mentorship to get that person up to you know the expectations that are required of that role so i think 60 to 75 percent is a fair number if a job seeker sees that you know this is what something that i've done i feel comfortable doing it and then there are you know that 25 percent is extra that is an opportunity for me to learn and an opportunity for the employer also to mold the job seeker as per their internal culture fit you know, making sure that, you know, the person fits into that role, 
into the department and the organization i think that's a fair number to go with okay good so we established a good percentage in terms of like how you should apply or when you should apply from a resume strategy perspective when professionals reach out to you and they need some resume help obviously i'm assuming that you would take their existing resume as a foundation before you start rewriting it for them from your experience what are some of the common mistakes that you've seen on these resumes that they've done themselves i think the first thing that i noticed is a lot of typos which is very obvious i think you'd attest to that and uh, the second thing that i have noticed in currently as a resume writer as well and previously as an ex recruiter as well that nobody writes numbers in their resumes you know they they're just stuffing it with all theoretical terms related to their industry not even caring to elaborate upon the acronyms because you will be amazed to find out so many ats softwares actually reject a profile just because you don't have those specific keywords related to that industry or the specific role that you've done so for example let's say you know i had a client who wanted to specifically apply for a google position right and google automatically rejects your profile if you don't have a github link specifically for the technical roles in the resume and he didn't have that and he didn't know about that as well so the moment we included that you know the ats scanning went off well so he got the interview calls and successive interviews as well and eventually was hired so i think it's those uh, little little things with regarding to the industry that people are not aware of and they just completely miss the numbers i think that's the biggest thing that i've noticed because otherwise how do you say you know how is max chance resume different from uika years you know if you're not able to show actionable metrics you're not able to show business impact achieved you know and the value add that you've had you know just by being there in the company exactly and going back to the github portion if someone's in a very technical role i always recommend having a portfolio what yeah. do you recommend in terms of like formatting a github or another type of website that can give you an opportunity to showcase your work via portfolio like what do you recommend professional formats in a way that makes sense for the recruiter if they decide to click on it yeah so i think even if you look at the tech specifically the technical roles like you said you know having a separate portfolio is amazing it's a must have actually for early career professionals to mid level career professionals but then after that nobody is really seeing the technical aspect of it it's more technical plus the business side of it even as you're rising the ranks in the organization right so if you look at senior roles and executive roles like you know vp and you go above that no company is actually looking for a github row link or anything like that it's more the business impact that you've had you know with the technical leadership skills that you bring to the role yeah so i think having a portfolio is good specifically recommended for early to mid career professionals but then i would say definitely have one instead of not having one it's always good to have one Yeah, I work with a lot of technical professionals. For example, like data science or UX UI design, and yeah. I'm shocked that some of them don't have a portfolio on their resume that they can link up to, right? Cuz these are exactly. very technical roles and they do want to see your work, right? Exactly. And if you have something live, you know, 365 24/7, it's amazing, right? Because that's doing the talking for you. You don't really need that two-page resume then. You can actually refer a uh, recruiter directly to the portfolio first and then you know probably follow it up with ads compatible resume or something yeah exactly and in terms of skill sets a lot of resumes they have a skill section or a core competency section where you highlight like, keywords yeah. yeah in your opinion what are some of the skills or tech stack for 
IT professionals that they should incorporate now or at least build up their skills they don't have it, ensure that it's on their resume so they're in high demand. So the question again is, what are some of the high demand IT skills right now that you should include on your resume? Yeah. So I think, first of all, I've also seen a lot of professionals not having a key skill section. So I think that's a total no-no. There should be a key skills section specifically, right? And it should be ideally divided into two. So one should be the soft skills that you want to showcase that you have. Could be anything from interpersonal communication, you know, analytical decision-making, that kind of soft skills. And the other section should be specifically about the technical proficiency that is there. And that can be, you know, the languages... Java, Python, C++, and again, then moving on to the software that you've used. A lot of companies also see the softwares that you worked with. So, you know, having Jira there, GitHub there is essential. So I think just having that section, first of all, is extremely important. And then based on the different roles. So, for example, if you're looking at an agile project manager, you know, the tech skills, the tech stack that he would be having would be very different from let's say a UI UX designer. So I think, but having that is extremely important. While the skills themselves could be different based on the roles and the industries that they're working in. You mentioned earlier that when it comes to like having a GitHub, it's more for early to mid professionals, mid-level professionals. When you get to the more senior uh, level positions, GitHub isn't really as necessary or if necessary at all. So what's the difference between an early to mid-level IT resume compared to an IT resume for gears and more more towards the senior level position? So ideally, in terms of the resume writing best practices, the professionals are divided into three different groups. So the early career professionals would be somebody who's just graduated, going up to five years of work experience that should be in any industry, but shouldn't ideally be something like, you know, the experiences that they've had when they were doing school or something like that, you know, probably more white collar roles. And then the second one would be a professional, ideally a mid-career, who would be between having a six to, let's say, 12 to 14 years of work experience. Anything above that ideally qualifies as senior level and then executive levels then start from 18 plus, 20 plus. Got but then that, and... that also depends on the roles as well, because a lot of times you'll notice that, you know, somebody's reached a director level position with, you know, let's say 12 years of work experience. Then then in those cases, you ideally need to look at the role and the responsibility that they're handling instead of the number of experiences, you know, they have had. You mentioned earlier about tailoring your resume, right? how you can't just like mass apply, expect results. <laughs> yeah. Again, a lot of professionals don't want to like tailor their resume because it's very tedious. Like, how do you recommend people tailor their resume in a way that makes sense, but not spend, like, for example, an hour customizing a resume for an application? Because again, online applying is still a volume game. You still have to tailor it to a certain extent, yeah. but you don't want to spend so much time that you're not actually getting the right amount of applications out. Okay, so I'm amazed by the fact that, you know, so many people find it so difficult, but actually it isn't really so difficult. So let's say there's a UI UX designer, right? And he's applying for a role. You know, he has 20 positions that he could apply to for the particular city that he is in. And if he looks at the 20 roles and opens the job description, there's only two places that the resume actually needs to be modified for. One is the summary. Second is the key skill section. That's all. So if you are able to get the keywords that are there in the job description in the key skills section and the summary, 
that's more than enough because ATS will be easily able to scan the summary and the key skill section and will be able to understand that, you know, Max has done this, you know, that particular skill is available. So let's go ahead. For example, let's say it says, you know, user interface design, let's say that's a keyword, right? So if user interface design is found in the summary and it's found in the key skill section, the ATS software will say that it's available in two places. So it's an automatic match. So that's just one example of a keyword that I'm sharing with you. And if you find 10 or 12 such keywords and you make sure that's included in the summary and the key skill section, that's more than enough. Yeah, which goes to my next point about keyword stuffing, right? There's a lot of professionals that use tools such as JobScan where they, I think, yeah. I haven't used this in a while, but you would post the job ad into the platform and then you put your resume in and then they would see how much your resume matches the job ad. What's your thoughts on these like keyword optimizer tools? I always tell professionals to use it with a grain of salt. Like don't try to get an extremely high score because then it doesn't read well because you're just stuffing the keywords in exactly. places that don't make sense. So what's your thoughts on professionals using these keyword optimizers tools to get ahead in their job search? I think using any kind of tech is good. It's not bad. But then the extent to which you're using, there needs to be a strategy behind it. It can't be just mindless usage of tech, right, to get ahead. Let's say like the previous example that I mentioned. So if you find 12 keywords which are there in the top job description, it's enough to include them once. You don't need to stuff the same keyword 20 times inside the resume. So I think just having them there is enough, but that needs to be in an organic sort of manner. It can't be just stuffing anywhere and everywhere. And, you know, the most important thing is the job seeker should have actually done it. <laughs> you can't just stuff keywords for the sake of stuffing those keywords in. You need to actually do that work. So if you know user interface design, you add that. Otherwise, you don't. Yeah, I've seen resumes where someone adds in Python by going through the <laughs> bullet points and there's nothing about them do using Python. Even if yeah. it's not explicitly stated that they use Python, the way that they wrote the bullet point, it doesn't show anything that they would have used Python in that type of role. That's just silly, you know, because ultimately, even if the resume gets shortlisted, what do you do in the interview? How can you explain yeah, that? Well, but, you know, yeah. if, if you get a question, how will you explain that? So it's, you know, both ways. So it needs to help you. You know, you can't do anything that goes against you. Then what's the point yeah, exactly. of doing it? Yeah, like if, if, again, if you get shortlisted for a Python job and they yeah. ask you to do a Python test, you, you can't do it. It just doesn't make any sense to like add it in just to get into an interview that you know you're not really qualified for. Exactly. And in terms of the cover letter component, there's always an argument about whether a cover letter is necessary in this day and age. What's your thoughts on incorporating a cover letter into your application? Yeah, so I think most of the organizations that you know people will apply to, they either ask for a separate cover letter document to be uploaded, you know, if you're applying through Talio, workable, any kind of software. And otherwise, you know, if the company doesn't really specifically mention a document to be uploaded, you know, you are probably emailing your resume, right, to somebody, to a recruiter or to a ex-colleague or mentor asking for an informational interview or asking for a position, right, or a referral for that matter. Still, you're emailing them, right? So you need a write-up. You need some sort of a note to tell them that, you know, FYI, this is my resume and this is, you know, just a highlight of what I've done. What is that? That's the cover letter. You still need, you know, four or five lines of an explanation, you know, something that highlights your profile. And in a summarized manner, you tell them what you do and what you're looking for. 
so that's basically a cover letter right so even if you don't have it written like a separate document you would still need an email cover letter whenever you are sending out your resume for an informational interview for a referral or just to an ex peer colleague mentor asking for you know any positions that they may know of so i think it's essential it's absolutely essential speaking of emailing your resume what's your opinion about like reaching out to like the recruiter position for example when someone applies to a job on linkedin they always yeah. not always but sometimes there is a this is the person that posted the job and they try to dm them or email them but they don't get a response what's your thoughts on like reaching out to the recruiter directly of that position to see if there's a way to at least get a conversation with them i think first of all it's a very good way of getting your foot in the door okay you've applied you know you've applied to the role and i think people shouldn't get disheartened because if a recruiter doesn't reply to them because you know like they say you know the real result is in the follow up most of the people send a dm once and then stop you know get disheartened oh the recruiter is not replying to me but then why don't you try following that it up with you know let's say 4 days down the line or 7 days down the line the person may just be busy be you know buried under tons of work could be anything right but most of the people that i have seen most of the recruiters that i have seen they tend to reply and follow up is not bad who said follow up is bad so i think 90% of people what they tend to do is just send one message and they don't get a reply and they'll stop so i think they should be following up and that's actually a very good way of getting a foot in the door and getting across you know a bond build with the recruiter because what if this position closes and you're not shortlisted or something but then they may have future positions coming up and you may be a good fit so and if you've had that conversation you know you've built the bridge you've said hi you know they'll probably get in touch with you for the next role that they have open so it's a definitely a great idea another avenue that professionals are interested in seeking out is reaching out to a recruitment firm i know there's there's probably a fair amount of recruitment firms in toronto that focuses on it roles yeah. what's your thoughts of like reaching out to like a third party recruitment firm to help you in the with your job search compared to applying to the roles that are posted by talent acquisition professionals that are actually hired uh, directly in the company i think it's all about the speed right because if you actually go in and send your application your resume to you know these agencies they may not really have open positions at that time so i think it's a long game you need to be there in for the long haul you know they may just contact you 6 months down the line or even after one year or something like that versus somebody who's posted an open role that's you know live and open at this you know they are hiring at this time so i think it's more about the speed because this would be shorter this would be fast you'll get results you'll get feedback you'll get a yes or an you know an auto generated email saying no you've not been shortlisted you'll you'll get results you know you'll see what's happening but if you go in and apply for you know bigger firms they may end up because their the resume is actually going into a database right your resume is also going into a database and there are hundreds of other resumes also going into a database and they may not even have an open position at that time so i think that's more of a longer game you can just try doing that but then can't really hope for results uh, you know in the shorter time frame yeah yeah for sure and in terms of the job search right a lot of people want jobs within like a month or two months if someone's starting their job search what do you recommend in terms of the timeline i always say 3 to 6 months if you are diligent in your job search process obviously some people could be faster some could be a bit longer 
what is your experience in terms of a, a proper job search timeline from starting your job search to a job offer? So I think first thing is this would vary for different people, right? It depends on the level of effort you are putting in, the timelines you're applying for, the number of roles you're applying for, and the kind of roles that you're applying for. So first of all, this would be different for every uh, professional. And second, typically I tend to tell my clients that this would be uh, four to eight weeks. And most of them tend to get a role within that time because then I actually coach them that, you know, you need to selectively apply for roles. You can't just go mass applying to hundreds of roles, right? So, and uh, so when you are doing the pre-qualification at your own step, I think, you know, the hit rate just increases. And I've had clients, you know, taking the revamped resume, going out, applying, and, you know, they've gotten, you know, four offers, eight interviews, and, you know, they're actually picking and choosing which one to go to. So I think that's a happy problem to have. But for that to happen, I think that there's a lot of effort that that goes behind it, and there needs to be a solid strategy. You can't just go randomly applying to everything that you see. Okay, so speaking of that, about applying to everything that you see, let's say a client works with you, program manager in IT, as an example, you have their resume done. How do you like recommend that they strategically apply instead of just mass applying for every program manager role out there? Yeah, so I think the first thing that I tell them is to ideally use LinkedIn for you know sending in applications because LinkedIn works both ways. So one part is where you are actively applying to those roles, right? You're going into LinkedIn jobs, you're filtering program manager, okay, Toronto, and then you're going and seeing the, you know, the roles that are open, actively hiring. And there's the other part to LinkedIn is where you are passively being contacted by a recruiter who's looking for a program manager in IT. So I think for that, the profile needs to be optimized and the skills need to be there on the profile. You know, the, the core skills that the program manager should have. So I think the number one thing that I tell them first is to use LinkedIn. Most of them tend not to, but then for IT, LinkedIn is where, you know, the action is, you need to be there. And the second thing is also, you know, the point that you already mentioned, contacting recruiters in the space, and this has actually reaped results for a lot of them. If you're actually contacting the job poster, it has actually led to a lot of conversations and then going up to informational interviews and then ultimately, you know, generating offers as well. So I think that is also a great thing to do. And the entire thing is basically having a strategy in place with respect to the roles that you are applying for and then following up wherever, you know, they are able to see the name of the person, the name of the poster, or probably if they just go and search, you know, if they have a second level connection or a third level connection with anybody who's working in the organization that they've applied for and they have a common connection to see if they are able to introduce you know, if the common connection is able to introduce them with the recruiter or with the hiring manager over there. That works in some cases, doesn't work in some cases, you know, because a lot of people are not really willing to do that introduction in the first place. But then it's definitely a good thing to try, right? Like I said, you know, the treasure lies in the follow-up. Yes, the fortune's in the follow-up, that's yeah, the phrase. exactly. To touch upon LinkedIn for a little bit, two questions. The first is... When you're applying the jobs on LinkedIn, there's the easy apply button. Do you recommend that or do you recommend never. like going through the proper process? Oh. Never, never the easy apply. I always tell my clients never to use the easy apply option. It sounds easy, you know, it's the instant age, right? We want everything instantly, instant gratification. But then what easy apply basically does is it just sends your profile right as it is 
through LinkedIn's ATS, which is inbuilt inside. LinkedIn has an ATS inside, right? So it just automatically sends your profile through that. And I think that's not such a great thing. Ideally, you should be going through the longer route. May take you 10 more minutes extra, but then you are actually able to customize each and every question that may be there. And just try and, you know, include more of the keywords that are there in the job description rather than just bulk sending whatever there is there on your profile. For especially for somebody whose LinkedIn has not been updated because that would be years old, right? So no chance of keywords being there. And speaking of keywords, that's my next question. How do you incorporate keywords on LinkedIn that make sense? And where do you incorporate them? Do you incorporate them on your headline, your about section, your work experience, and LinkedIn's dedicated skill section? How do you incorporate keywords into your LinkedIn profile? And the other question that I want to add to that in regards to keywords is, for the resume, is a bit targeted. You can always switch out keywords based on what role you're applying to. But for LinkedIn, you do have recruiters reaching out to you. So you do have to make it a bit more general. So how do you incorporate the right keywords for a general perspective? Looking at the first part of the question, I think LinkedIn's inbuilt ATS basically scans for keywords in four places. One is the headline. Second is the about section or the summary section, as some like to call it. Third is the skills section, which is you know quite below in the profile and nobody even looks at it. And the fourth one is the work experience section. So let's say there's an agile project manager and he's you know planning to apply for agile project manager roles scrum master roles of jobs of basically the, a similar profile right so if you see so agile project manager or agile project management you know if you don't want it to be in the active term needs to be present across those four places so i think that's the four uh, places that linkedin has you know it basically scans for keywords there got it the last question I wanted to ask you in regards to like the job search is obviously with the evolving of AI, right? I'm sure you've seen a lot of social media posts out there on how to use AI to write your resume, cover yeah. letter, all that stuff. Yeah. What's your thoughts on using AI in your job search? So like I said, you know, using tech is good, but there needs to be a strategy behind it, right? So if somebody wants to use ChatGPT to write their resume, uh, you know, by all means, go ahead. It's free. And even if you're looking at the paid version, it's great, right? Use it. But then you need to be open to the idea that what ChatGPT is giving you as an agile project manager, it's probably giving to 50 other agile project managers who are using the same software. You, I, I saw a big smile on your face. So I think that's come to your mind as well, right? So it's going to be generic. It's just going to give you a bunch of keywords stuffed for the industry, for the role with no regard to what you have actually done in the role. So I think perfect, you know, if somebody wants to do DIY, do their own resume, go ahead and use it. But you need to be open to the risk that four other people or 50 other people or 100 other people will probably have those exact same bullets written in the same manner, same action words in their resume as well. So I think using that as a base is good, but then you need to add that bit of personal touch. You know, nothing can go without a human touch there. You need to refine that. You need to actually add the numbers. You need to write what you've done in the role, right? So for example, a company who has an agile project manager in, let's say, the healthcare space would be different from an agile project manager who's working in the IT or the tech space, right? Or information services for that matter, or cybersecurity for that matter. Their roles would be different. 
chat gpt doesn't know that it's just going to give you the same bullets over and over again so that it's okay as a first draft or something like that you know you need some sentences written bullets written perfect go ahead but then you need to actually sit down analyze that add in what you've done add in that personal touch get those metrics in there what employers would be looking for because nobody really wants a cookie cutter resume right you don't want your resume to be the same as 50 other people who may be applying for the same role it's too much of an embarrassment plus your resume will not get shortlisted you know i don't really think somebody would want that to happen yeah yeah to just talk about that in terms of like if you're using chat gpt the right bullet points someone else might be doing the same and it's going to be generic yeah you can change it up maybe add your own percentages but if it's the if the sentence pattern is the same the recruiter is going to know and the reason why i was like smiling earlier is i saw a linkedin post a few months ago and uh, basically this recruiter was talking about how she looked through four resumes back to back and she knew it was chat gpt because they all said the same uh, type of responsibilities <laughs> yeah. right so recruiters are smarter they know that your keyword stuffing they know you're using chat gpt to write your resume yeah. I'm assuming there's no ChatGPT like detector right now, but again, ChatGPT can only write so many variations of a specific like responsibility. And exactly. if you don't customize it in a way that makes sense, a recruiter is going to know that you just plugged in like your work experience with ChatGPT and just turned it into a resume to uh, submit. I always say, like you said, using technology in your job search is good, but it should be a guide, not the main source of your strategy. That's a great perspective, I think. Yeah. And for someone who is struggling in their job search right now, what is your advice in terms of like mindset or should they look to build up their skills or is it just that their way they're formatting their resume is not reflective of what employers are looking for in this current market? I think the first thing that I would recommend is having a positive mindset. It it's needs to be about being in for the long haul, right? If a peer or a friend is getting a role in two weeks, doesn't mean you will get a role in two weeks right so i think any professional needs to be open to the fact that they need to be in for the long haul for as long as it takes once you have that mindset i think you're ready to put in the work you're ready to put in the time that it will take you know for it to happen and the second thing is i think every professional should be open to feedback and by open to feedback i mean you know they should be actually taking advice from people who are experts in their field right So you can't really be asking for advice from an entrepreneur who's never had a resume in his life, right? Or a family member who doesn't really work, or isn't you know has their own business or something like that. So you need to get advice from experts and should be open to feedback. You shouldn't be really thinking that what I am doing is right because it could be X reasons you know not right in their profile or in their resume that you know could be hindering their search or you know it could be hindering their entire career i tell my clients you know everybody should be open for having informational interviews because you never know where the next role may come in from so you know just having getting those referrals in con- connecting with your network to see if there are any informational interviews getting feedback i think that's a great way of you know being in the game and making sure that you know you know you, you're still walking you know it's not like you're sitting down and just sad you know why aren't things working out for me you know just being in the game being active because you need to be open for the world to throw you opportunities right and your eyes need to be open to catch it so i think that is really really important absolutely the other thing that professors are concerned about is resume gaps right so if someone's yeah. been in that job search for a few months or even longer that gap's going to get larger and larger 
So as you know, statistics say that recruiters tend to prefer people who are already employed compared to people who are not. That's all over the internet in terms of that statistic. So is there any way to minimize that resume gap or should you not really worry about it? It's more about if you think the resume gap is a hindrance, maybe try to network and reach other people because then you're talking to them first before they know about your experience. So what's your thoughts on overcoming that resume gap? First of all, I think a resume gap is just overblown out of proportion. If you have the education, if you've had any kind of similar experience that you've done previously, and let's say you have a three-year or a four-year gap due to could be uh, due to a sabbatical, due to caregiving uh, reasons, having a baby, could be X number of reasons, right? So I think career gap is just blown out of proportion. So, you know, let's take the agile project manager example, right? If, if somebody has that, you know, scrum background, agile project management certifications, you've done that role for, let's say, five years, six years, and then you have a gap of two years or three years, just write about what you've done. And I am guaranteeing the CV will get shortlisted. I myself have hired people, you know, with gaps, it's all about showcasing what you know, what you've done, and being open to learning. So that professional should be able to say, okay, you know, I knew the trends and the emerging technologies three years back, but, you know, I am open and willing to learn, you know, for the time that I've missed and I'm ready to get started. I think just being open to learning or being open to feedback can go a long way and they should be definitely showcasing what they've done because just because the experience is old doesn't mean that it's not valuable, right? They've done the work. They have those certifications. So I think getting a recent certification, getting some sort of a online course, certification, training, webinar, anything, you know, that gets them, you know, more in tune with what's going on in the job market or the industry right now will certainly help because they will be able to showcase the recent certification right on top in their summary, in their headline, that will really help. Plus, whatever experience they've had, they should be showcasing that very nicely in a nice metric-driven manner. I think that will definitely open the doors for them. That's a great point. And what's, what, what amazing advice that you provided today, Yuvika, in regards to like resume strategy, a job search strategy, all that information to help professionals who are listening who are frustrated have some direction in their job search and hopefully get their next job by the end of the year. So if someone was interested to learn more about what you do and how you can help them, how can they reach out? Sure. I think LinkedIn is the easiest way, right? So, you know, just by sending a DM on LinkedIn or going to my website, I think both are easy enough. Oh, sounds good. Again, appreciate the time, Yuvika, and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you so much for having me, Max. This has been a wonderful and eye-opening conversation. Lovely speaking with you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening and until next time. Oh,